0: Welcome to the Single Father Podcast with your host, Father Deasy, where we talk about the joys and challenges of raising kids on our own. Join us for inspiring stories, practical advice, and a healthy dose of humor as we navigate the ups and downs of single fatherhood together. Follow us for the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and a community of fellow single dads, relationships, parenting, mental health. Let's vent together.
1: All right Andy Andy Heller I am very happy, very very happy that I got you on uh, today's podcast um i I was actually really excited to speak to you because when you sent over my your uh, your digital book, I was reading it through and it couldn't have come at a, a better time uh, for me <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I well.
0: Awesome. I don't. I don't want to say sorry or I'm happy, uh, but I'm. I'm glad that I, I can be helpful, Father <laughs> D.C. I know, right?
1: <laughs> it, it it really came at a time where I needed it, though. And interviewing you is uh, a great pleasure of mine. I'm officially a big fan. Um, thank you. I wanted to see for you know the listeners who may not be familiar with you, if you could you know tell me a little bit about yourself and um. You know, you have a book, and I wanted to hear about a little bit about your personal experience with divorce and how it led you to become uh, an expert on co-parenting. Fantastic!
0: So, I'll I'll give you my story in about two or three minutes, so we can save most of the time for questions that can that can help your listeners. Love it! But my story will hopefully give some context. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am just a normal businessman. I've run successful businesses. One of my businesses is, um, I teach real estate around the country. I've been an investor since 1990. I wrote two best-selling investment books about 20 years ago, and I swore I would never write another book in my life because mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a real project, particularly when I'm a perfectionist. So it, it, it's just um, not something that I wanted to ever do again. Right. So. Uh, about nine years ago, I had myself, uh, my, I have a divorce that was, um, had a lot of speed bumps, like many of us do. And a bit about me, a couple of things. When I'm stressed out, I don't sleep a lot and I take notes. And that's writing notes is kind of my stress management tool. So when my mom was passing away and she was in hospice, I started to write and my notes evolved into an article that got picked up. In five newspapers around the country and the mother's day after she passed. So I'm going through my divorce and I'm doing the same thing. I'm writing notes. And since I'm not sleeping a lot, I'm reading a lot of books about divorce and helping people out. Right. And my my, my wife at the time, we're getting divorced. We're sitting in a co-parenting session, Father Deasy. And the co-parent counselor said, you guys got a lot of stress going on. You could benefit from a therapist. So I said, okay. I don't have a problem with that. I'm, I'm open-minded to anything that can help me. I've got the time. I'm not sleeping a lot, <laughs> yeah. but I want specifically a therapist who deals with divorced men. So I got some names I, I and I, I met this lady and she was amazing. Okay. Now, one more thing about me is I'm very pragmatic. I'm, the, I'm that guy that's a glass half full, very compromise oriented. I, I th- thought that I was in control of my emotions. I've run successful businesses. I make 20 decisions a day. So things would be happening with my ex-wife. I would walk into different sessions I say, okay, this is what happened, but don't worry. I thought it through, and this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And she would go into therapy, speak, and say, "We well, you know, Andy, it's really good that you thought it through. You're clearly in touch with your feelings, but you're not going to do that. You're going to do the opposite. Right. <laughs> and I would sit, I would listen. I can give you an example when, when I'm done, if you'd like to kind of put this into context that it's a co-parenting example. Absolutely. Um, so I, I was amazed at how many times my gut instincts were wrong. And... What uh, the, the 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 powerful impression it left me with, Father DZ, is the degree to which I was emotionally compromised and unaware of that, and it was affecting my decision making abilities. And it was, and that the the loser there was myself and my children. Yeah. So I recognize, oh my God, we men don't realize how how much. And it's not all of us getting divorced don't realize the degree to which we're not able to make good decisions. So I, at, by this time, I'd read all these books. I looked at my notes. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a gap in a divorce book space. And I've got notes that can fill that gap. Now, so in short, most of the books are written by uh, therapists. They're written by um, uh, uh, divorce attorneys, uh, uh, judges, uh, mediators. I'm none of those things. I'm just a guy who had his own divorce. And, and so what I began to do is I began to interview these experts. So my book is a compilation of the council. So rather than call me an author, I'm the organizer in chief. I organized and took all this great, all this great advice and I organized it into a best practice manual. With 46 different tips and strategies of issues that we are likely to encounter, not just getting divorced, but also most of my counsels around co parenting. Right. Okay. So it's valuable if you're years after being divorced so that you can land in this a better spot for you and your children. And the last thing I'll say before I pause is that the, the, where I saw the gap is, Divorce is an experiential journey. And during this journey, you're going to do do some things okay, some things good, and a lot of things horribly wrong. And you recognize many of these mistakes in in the rearview mirror. But the problem is you need that counsel on day one, not day 300 or 400 or after three years. Oh, yeah. So what my book does is I take these 46 different situations that you're likely to encounter most of those. And I armed the divorcee with these tips on day one with the sole purpose of landing in a better spot um, and not just for yourself, but more importantly, for your
1: children. So that's my story. I love it. I love it. Uh, and and thank you for doing that, by the way, because I know a lot of people will benefit from that. I, that's that's amazing. It, it, Andy, could you tell me uh, from because I I. I'm curious as well. And it, it, the reason it came at a good time is because you speak about how sometimes your gut instinct was wrong. I, in, my, yes. in, in my latest episode, uh, which got released today, I was talking about how, uh, you know, things with my co-parent, you know, we, we when it comes to the love of our child, we do that great. My My daughter is nurtured. She's loved. She's cared for. However... It's hard to say that we co-parent very well because something you know. Yep. In general, we kind of just don't really get along, and we aren't on the same page, you know. And like I said, the fundamentals are there. We love our daughter; she's cared for, she's loved. There's no your mom's this, there's mm-hmm. your your dad's this, but it's hard because I felt like we were on a uh, just a trajectory that it will never change. And then, at the very last second of me recording that episode, I get a message from her mother saying, "Hey, Layla swallowed a magnet. I'm taking her to the hospital." And so I went to the hospital. I saw her mother there, and it was the first time I seen her in probably like a year because we don't. I, I only see her partner, and we we actually spoke to each other cordially, and we and we kind of sat there and said. You know, I actually would really like to get along at the end of it. And our daughter was fine and everything. And I left that feeling, wow, I was really wrong saying things would never change. I thought it was just like a hopeless situation. And I I wanted to ask you, what are some of the misconceptions that people have about co-parenting? How can they avoid them? And have you ever had a situation where, you know, someone like me is so certain about something and then, you know, maybe it's just their own personal ego or I don't know what it was getting in the way of me thinking it would never change. Well, I'm going to be kinder to you. First of all, it's not your ego. It's
0: simply you're coming out of a tsunami. Many of these divorces are coming out of a tsunami. And we, we kind of get mentally stuck in that moment. It's not hopeless, Father Tz. And to all of you guys and gals that are listening, it, it, it the good news is it typically gets better. Mm. And, but, and one of the reasons I wrote my book is there are steps that you can take to accelerate that process because it is an optimal situation that you can speak to your former spouse and you don't have to go through a third party or you don't have to um you don't have to avoid topics that are really ideally you want to be talking for the benefit of your of, of your children right so um one of the things i can uh, the takeaways i, I uh, uh in these all these interviews that i did with these dozens of, fa- of of couples that went through their divorce is that Everybody's complaining about their former partner. (laughs) She's complaining about her. She's complaining about him. It's it's, so, and the thing that I would say to you, probably one of the most powerful takeaways from my book is that we divorcees cannot control what our spouse is going to do or not going to do or former spouse. Right. You can only control yourself. So I'm not sure how far you got along on the book, but one thing about the book, the book, the counsel and the advice is unilaterally based. What that means is that there are things that we can do ourselves that do not depend on a reaction or response from our former spouse, but these are designed to result in him or her changing their behavior on how they work with us. Hmm. They don't all work. They don't always work. but typically, a lot of these, if you can change and, and basically bring this new strategy into how you deal with your co-parent, typically the result will be an improvement. I can give you a great story that 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 does a better job than my explanation. And this was actually the impetus for me writing the book, Sure. So I talked about how I, I, I went into it with this. These are uh, the therapists, and a lot of times I left with different advice. So, this is before I decided to write the book. We had a situation, probably one of the, the, the biggest co parenting snafus is um, swaps. Okay. And you, you have a framework for co parenting for custodial exchange, uh, time, but then, okay, um, you know, Aunt Susie comes in town last minute on your ex's time, and you want to switch dates so that the kids can see Aunt Susie. These things are going to happen all the time. Right. So so I there. had made a request. Right, right. I had made a request that was com- I thought was completely reasonable. And the answer was no. Okay. Then I got a request from her and I said, I'll get back to you. Because I had a session with my super Uber uh therapist. I go in there and said, okay, let me tell you what happened. I asked this, it's a fair request. She said no. Despite she asked me, I said I'll get back to her. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say, okay, look, look, we're each asking for a fair request. I'm gonna say yes to you, you say yes to me, and that's how we need to co-parent. And that's that's consistent with my the way I, I approach things collaboratively and compromise oriented. And I thought my thinking was really logical. Yeah. So and I'm I'm condensing an entire 15-minute session to, to one minute, but what she basically said is no, Andy, you're not Going to link requests. You call her and say yes if you can come if her request is reasonable, if you can accommodate her request, and the kids benefit from their request. Those three things, you're going to say yes to everyone, and you're not going to link. You will find in most cases, Andy, within a couple years, her behavior will change. So, so again, this is an example quid pro quo. You mean? No quid pro quo. No quid pro quo was basically right. That was that was the short, the short and sweet of this. Mm. So I went and I said, uh, um, "Okay, you can have that request that you asked me." I didn't even bring up mine. Okay, mm. and I continued to say yes to her request without getting reciprocal actions for about six months, and my therapist was wrong. It didn't take two years. It took only six months, wow. and all of a sudden, I started to get reciprocal yeses. Okay, and, and I so 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 this was a great example, and and this instance was what was when the flips when I looked at my notes, I'm like, oh my god, I got an outline here for a great book, and I recognized the degree to which my instincts were were not right. Mm. OK, and, and, and so this is a great story because you'll notice, everybody, the only thing that I did was make a unilateral change that I could control. And I in no way linked it. And those, those three checklists, those three things, can I accommodate the request? Is a request reasonable? And will my children benefit from the request? As those three boxes are checked? I said yes with no Quid pro quo, quote, quid, quote, quid
1: yeah. pro,
0: quote unquote, something, <laughs> and and it was yeah, it was amazing the speed at which we recalibrated custodial exchanges, and, and, and this is a really powerful point, everybody. That the, the takeaway there is that my instincts were not were you know, to me it was really reasonable. Let's just do a trade, but.
1: That was not the right approach, and I didn't realize it at the time, Father DZ. That's so deep, and that is powerful because I think everyone's been there. You know, um, you 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 ask for something, and you're not getting it back, and you want to say, "Well, hell no, you didn't do this for me." Or if you do that, but but what you did is say, "You know what? I'll just say yes every time," and eventually, I'm certain that she will do the same. it's very. That's that's so deep. I love that. Um, you know, in your book, you mentioned how uh, one applies business skills to divorce negotiations. Could you give me yes. an example of that? And could you also give me an example of kind of like a solution to improving communication with your with your ex, either before or after the divorce process, as well? Because sure, yeah, please.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is an uh, angle of my book that is really unique in that I, br- I bring business negotiations and business conflict management skills into managing a, co- uh, a divorce and co parenting arrangement. Mm. And just to be clear, everybody, I took this and I had some therapists, um, mm. respected therapists, look this over and they said, this is brilliant. And, and in some cases, there are, Therapeutic similarities to 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 what we do, but we we've never seen it organized like this as a businessman does. So on the negotiation side, there is um, a suggestion in that chapter where you have your attorney prepare two offers to your former spouse for settlement. So maybe one one gives a bit more money, one asks for a bit more time. That's just two examples, yeah. and. Instead of giving one, because basically, and this this involves a s- sales methodology. If you go to a client with one proposal, the customer will think, well, I'm going to s- compare your proposal to the other co- your competitors. Mm. But if you go in with two proposals, both of your company, the customer will say, well, explain to me the difference between these two. And they mentally shift from comparing you to competition to comparing Two options from the same company. Uh, so you take the same approach uh, in divorce. And even if the answer is, I'm going to take this door, this option, right away, the way your spouse, former spouse, your spouse at the time, and his or her attorney answers, and which of the which of the proposals they gravitate to will help you accelerate your negotiations. And you'll know where to focus to get a deal done in weeks instead of months. So this one tip can potentially save the divorcee five figures or six figures in attorney fees by helping to shorten the negotiation process by being able to focus and seeing where your former spouse is gravitating to. Wow. So, yeah. So on the. Ne- uh, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'll, now, now on the um, now the other thing about me, I'm a Dale Carnegie disciple, so I've taken Got courses to and, and I taught. People. Correct, correct. Uh, and, and there are principles taught on on how business people manage high conflict situation, and I brought these into di- the divorce. So I'll give you a great example. So, so many of the divorces I interviewed would say, "You don't understand, Andy." I say up, she says down. I say left, she's uh, he says right. Yes, and the, and the, just because I own the suggestion, they're always going to be contrary. Yes, and that's not abnormal. Everybody. So again, let's talk about a unilateral action you can take to change that. So it's not about getting that getting your former spouse to change the way he or she communicates with you. You're going to change how you communicate with him or her. So one of the great principles is so, so let's give you an I'm going to explain this with a with a with a simple story. So little Johnny is going to ballet, which can help with his coordination and sports, but he hates it. He's complaining about it. Now I play basketball. I can coach basketball. Johnny loves basketball. I want him to switch to basketball. Now, the problem is if I go to my ex and I say, hey, Let's dump ballet and go and play some basketball. The answer is going to be a flat no. Mm. So the way you, you change the texture of your communications, everybody, and you stop, it's like playing poker. You don't show your hand. You do not divulge what your preferences are ever. Mm. And you allow your ex to own the solution. You speak and you communicate in forms of questions. So as an example with our 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 working example here. So let's say, you know, Father DZ, you and I are married or formerly married, whatever. Um, and I say, Father DZ, I don't, I, you know, I, I have the biggest problem in my home. I'm just getting complaints, 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 complaints about ballet. I bet you're getting the same thing. I would love to hear what your suggestions are. Mm. Boom. And okay. Now, sometimes uh-uh. there'll be an answer, Father Easy's yeah yeah I'm I'm getting the same complaints um I but I think it's good for him so you respond again in the in the form of a question you know Father Deasy, I completely agree I think this is great for him but um I, however I, I I really would love to to bring the temperature down in my home I don't the, these complaints are not helping uh, uh, um him get settled in I bet you're having the same experience. What do you suggest? And you keep coming with this game, and sometimes it's not done in one email exchange, but maybe two or three. But the goal is to get your ex to come to a, a solution that is either at or close to what you want him to do. Wow. So maybe the maybe the maybe the the answer is, well, I don't want them to leave the the, the ballet, but but I'd love to. I'd, I'd be, I, I, I would love for a way to reduce the, the, the complaints in my home. I love that father DZ. Um, uh, maybe we can get uh, uh, Johnny to see the ballet as a trade-off for something he wants to do. Uh, um, I, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Right. So maybe the, and maybe the end compromises, he keeps ballet, but he gets to have basketball also. Wow. That's okay. So the, the Amazing. The, yes. So the, the point is, you, 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 and this is. Oh, I will say this to everybody. Everybody, it's not particularly easy to, but to change the way you communicate. But, 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 people don't like being told what to do. Again, right. this comes there. A, there's a foundational human relations point there. People don't like being told what to do, and there's certain people you really don't like being told what to do from. And the number 1 top of that list is your former spouse. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so recognize that and let your former spouse own the suggestion. This tip will not work every time, but it works a lot. And and the whole another little example is ch- change communications and eliminate the word but and you. These are two words that template, that in business typically prompt a negative association, mm. but it's suggesting that what you wanted to do is not the right one, right? Right decision. The word you, it sounds like you're talking to something, you're being spoken to. So again, eliminating those two words from your text and your emails wow.
1: also help to bring down the temperature. That is amazing. And it was such a deep way to think too. Um, it, and it's particularly interesting because you bring up things, you know, that make me, you acknowledge things that make me feel like I'm in church. I'm like, yes, preach it. But, but, <laughs> but I, uh, it's so interesting to think about, you know, one of the off topic questions I wanted to ask you is, do you particularly see if there is that maybe some parents need a, a change in, uh, like the way they communicate. And and, and what I mean by that is kind of like where they communicate. And what I mean deeper in that is I noticed that when I would text my child's mother after we separated, for some reason there was always some high tension and things like that. And then we decided, okay, let's talk on this parenting app. So we use a parenting app called Talking Parents. And for some reason, I mean, there's still little, you know, this and that, but it's more, it's, it's better, you know, uh, I I don't know the type of thing I'm trying to say, but I think you understand it's, it's, it's better navigated where there's not so much room for us to say anything outlandish, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So let me actually speak, um, uh, you may not have got to that point. I
0: talk about the parenting apps like that in in the book and, mm. and they're really great. So in a high conflict situation everybody there are these these like they're, they're like a, a a private communication portal and some of these portals even filter out the type of words that are mean and nasty and and and, and limit the type of texture of the communication. Right. They're they're really good solutions in high conflict divorces. Um but what I would also say is the ideally, you want that to be a stepping stone to be able to pick up the phone and speak and to email regularly because it's not optimal, but it, it is ideal in a high conflict situation. Right. So, but, but again, uh, uh, um, so, so I, I applaud you for your use of this uh, portal. A lot of people are not aware of them. The good news, everybody, they're super cheap. You can even manage expenses, that, uh, kids' expenses and stuff. Within these portals, True, yeah. um, and they're, they're they're really really good. I have personal familiarity with, with a similar one, and we used it for about a year until we we're able to start talking. And um, so, great solution. In a perfect world,
1: it's a stepping stone. Mm. And and uh, and real quick, uh, uh, one last nugget on that. What what I'm curious, what was that stepping stone for you to get off that and say, I think we're mature enough to you know pick up the phone with each other in where there's not so much contention and things like that
0: um well the the what i would say to that and i think that's a brilliant question the the it's rarely a a discussion where um where th- there's a, a, a common discussion with your former spouse that let's move away from this what you will find is the uh, the, the, the level of, of toxic energy uh, and anger and angst just begins to abate over the years, hopefully accelerated because of the steps you're, you're taking in my book and other steps. Absolutely. All right. And you're going to find that you're not using the portal as much anymore because you're able to pick up the phone and so there will be in most cases i find that there's just a natural gravitation away from it the portal is great but but you've got to be sitting down by a computer or on or on your phone um you got to take time it manages things it's a lot easier to pick up the phone or send a text hey you know yo know, and it is, the portal is not a solution for um, logistical situations that arise in like like oh Johnny's like, okay, um, I got to go to a hospital because my daughter swallowed a magnet. Well, you can't post that in the portal. You need to pick up the phone and say, Hey, I'm on my way. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, so the portal has some limitations. So what I typically find is the simple, uh, the, the gradual improvement that you're experiencing in your ability to communicate and co-parent will naturally create an environment where you don't need the portal any longer. So for 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 me and my former uh, spouse, it was like, hey, we're, we're paying this. I mean, I'm okay as long as we're we're not nasty to one another. Are you okay to cancel this and and she said, "Sure." Okay? Cuz mm-hmm. but we were already we
1: already had answered that question by the time we had that conversation. Wow, yeah, that makes complete sense, absolutely. Do you feel like um that uh, some of the reasons that can get delayed is because I always tell people this, I said, it's interesting being a co-parent, you know, because it's something that it's a surreal experience to say, Hey, we're breaking up because we no longer want to spend another moment together. And it's surreal to say, well, now we have to spend the next 18 years together in some fashion. I, I imagine that, I mean, from the people you've spoken to in the interviews that you've done, do you feel like that's often can be something hard to heal from? Cause, because because uh, there's usually some healing process without a, a child. You you can you can break up and then you can kind of go about your separate ways. And now with social media, you can you can block each other. You can you, there's so many ways to remove yourself from a person. But being connected by a child for the next 18 years or so, I imagine that can be kind of hard to heal from. I, I know it has been for me, but I was Wondering, what have you learned from other experiences and people you've interviewed? Well, I'm not sure if that's so much a question. I think you answered it perfectly. <laughs> I think it,
0: it, it, it is a situation that is highly, the way I would, my 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 re- reply, Father D.C., is that it's a, it's divorce is a highly unnatural situation because there is a, you got a girlfriend, you dated, let's say, two years, and you know you don't want to take that next step. You break up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You, you, you limit your connections with common friends. It's a very easy thing to control and insulate yourself. Even if, if you're in pain, it's easier to insulate yourself. It's impossible to do that in a divorce because you have these kids that will bind you with that person for the rest of your life. Very true. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's just impossible. So the, the solution is to try to get to a sweet spot in co-parenting, establish certain boundaries because, you know, you're probably going to get a new partner at some point um, and, and try to come to a working relationship. It's very similar in the business community to having to work with a colleague that you frankly do not like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. To, you know, you're you're not going to leave your job. That colleague is valuable to the company for what he or she does. Very true. And you guys don't like each other, but you both have to deliver work for for the benefit of the company and, and keeping your darn job. Great example. So um, it's it's a it's a very unnatural situation because you are uncoupled, but you're connected. Mm. Um, so 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 this is where I think um, arrive yeah. Using skills you get from my book, from your podcast, from other sources, everybody, to get to a point where you guys can improve your co-parenting, you don't have to like that person, but you have to arrive at a place where you can co-parent effectively because your children will lose if you cannot do that. And I will also say it is not easy in many cases. Yeah, because you're you're hurt, you're emotionally off. Um, sometimes there are affairs, there's abuse, and this is it's really really difficult. Which is why you can't do it by yourself. You've got to bring in the counsel of experts and uh, to help you get to a point where, given the nature of your situation with your ex, you can have an
1: or. Uh, 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 um, a work in co-parenting arrangement. Can you? Um, well, how, well, how, I know you go over it a little bit, but how, how can parents help their children navigate the emotional and like practical changes when it comes to divorce?
0: One of the probably the most powerful advice I give in my book. but fortunately, I you know I I own I own. Businesses and and not, and because I own my own business, when I got divorced, I I had the autonomy that some some don't have, where I could go see a therapist during the day. Yeah, um, because I I can work five hours at night. Okay, right. um, Not everybody has that or has it as easy. Um, although today with Zoom, you can typically manage this stuff during lunch hours. But the number one advice I would say around that for your children is this. The honest, cold, hard facts, borrowing a, a statement from ESPN, is you cannot both be the disruptor and the healer. Mm. You, you're not, you're, you are a disrupting their lives by making a decision and a choice to get divorced. And it, it's I'm not saying it's the wrong choice. I'm saying it is disruptive to a child's life. Mm. The child needs their own advocate and sounding board. And that is not and cannot be you. Because you got your own crap to be dealing with, All right, yeah. You got your own emotions. So getting your kids in with a child therapist is absolutely one of the best gifts you can give your children. Mm. And now the types of therapists you can give to children, I talk about this in the book, is different. Younger kids are not going to sit on a couch Um there's a, a subset of family therapy called play therapists, where through games that the therapist will play with the children, she can get a sense of what's going on in their lives and what help that they they need um, to get through that. Um, older children, they can sit on a couch. They're not going to sit and, and, and need to play checkers or Monopoly to let them know how they're feeling. And you know, you also, and I have to raise this, guys, it's it's not a good topic and not a good subject, but teenagers typically keep a lot of stuff inside. Yeah. And we, we, we see what's happening with teen suicide and teen drug use. Yeah, And you, you you owe it to your teen, you owe it to all your children to give them somebody who can be looking out, focus only on them. They don't care about your own, dr- your drama. And if they see a warning sign, they can hopefully get that information to you and you guys can get the child help before they go down a, 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 a rabbit hole that, that, that they won't come back from. So the, if, if the budget is limited, I would say you get your own counsel from podcasts, maybe my book and some others, but spend the money on your children. And give them a therapist and insist on it. Say, you want your allowance? Fine. You got to meet with this person three times a month. That's it. All right. Um, and for those that say they can't afford it, I'm gonna push back and say you can't afford not to. Because if your mm. child gets into problems, A, some problems you can't, you can't, they can't reverse from. Right. And tip and B, these problems, and I talk about this in the book. These problems get progressively more expensive the older your child gets, and you'll spend a lot more uh, solving these problems
1: than the cost of the therapy. Wow, that was uh, that really hit home for me, especially. I'm, and it's something I just thought about too, and I think I spoke about on my earlier podcast. Is I was thinking about uh, getting my daughter into therapy, but I couldn't imagine. My four-year-old paying attention to any what anyone <laughs> was saying in front of her on a couch, you know. I, but you're right. There are some different therapy options that I could look into, um, especially the play therapy one that you you mentioned. I mean, that really hits home for me because one thing I am worried about is, um, and I, I guess I'll form this into a question for you. I, I the things I talk to my family about are, I'm worried that because so as I mentioned, I don't really see my child's mother. The exchanges that I do are between, um, you know, I go to her house and I see her her partner and vice versa. And I'm worried that my child will not benefit in some way from seeing her parents together. Um, and I know that she knows her parents support her. But I wanted to ask you, when you see co-parenting situations and divorcees, do you feel like it is potentially essential for the, their child to see them together in some fashion, not together romantically, but, you know, just, Hey, we're at an event we are here together, or do you feel like that's not necessary and you just keep supporting her from different house, him or him or her from different households?
0: Well, so let me, let me give you my take and first the therapy and that, but first starting with the therapy community's take, the therapy community's take on your question is absolutely 100%. Your children benefit from seeing mom and dad together. Not together together, but sitting together at the ballet recital, yeah, at the soccer game, all right? You don't want your kid having to point out to his friend, "Oh, my dad's over there, my mom's over there." All right? Um and look, now the practicality of it, you know, when you have new partners that enter, those things become a little bit more difficult uh, because one thing to be close to your spouse, former spouse, but now you're sitting beside the uh, the partner that spouse has selected. It's not all. It's not easy, guys. Right. So, but there, there, I'm a big believer that again, there's a compromise place. All right, let them see you together sometimes. Particularly like graduations and 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 school events, they don't have to see you sitting beside each other all the time. And you sit down with your new partner and you say, "Look, this—you know—you are the one that I'm committed to." But the therapy community, the advice on what's best for my children is absolutely universal. They want to see mom and dad sitting beside each other um, at school and sport and events. Um, so we could, we need to find a, an, an agreement where we can do it on some form of a regu- regularity. And there's not so many of these events that you can't stomach it. So absolutely, positively, I would say if that can be worked
1: on, your child would benefit for yeah. sure. All right. Yeah I, I, yeah, I was always wondering about that because I'm like, well, it, it, you know, it, it gets some because you're right. Sometimes it is hard, especially with her new partner. And if I get a partner, it's hard to kind of navigate those things and actually be in the same room. Uh, But going to your book though, um, can you share any like absolute must haves before finalizing your divorce and what that would entitle, whether it's, you know, including things for yourself or for your children or that works out for the both of you. What if there's a messy divorce? Like what is like a must have? Oh, I'm going to give you two. Um, the first
0: is have a co-parenting plan and a co-parenting plan that has been written by a and approved by a co-parenting coordinator. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, now, typically you have co-parenting elements sprinkled into a divorce document. I mm-hmm. think that is the wrong way to do that. You want to have a specific co-parenting plan to deal with swaps on birthdays uh um you know Mother's Day Father's Day making sure you know uh, making sure you've got your child um the the the, the holidays like Thanksgiving and, and and Christmas Hanukkah kwanzaa um the the three-day weekends the summer vacations Absolutely. okay uh, um what happens when your child wants to date <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> you know, I mean, uh, uh, you're, you're fortunately, you're far, much farther from that than where I am, again, uh, Father Deedley. My daughter is 17, but that day will come religion. What happens if uh, uh, one spouse is, a, is is one religion, one spouse is another, one spouse is atheist, one, one spouse uh, um, is an observant, uh, 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 observant. So those are the things that belong in a parenting plan and a structure, put in a structure, for custodial swaps, what the, the the one of the wisest things m- our our co-parenting coordinator came to us and said was the MSA is a blueprint. Don't look at it like the Bible or, or a document that can't be changed because life will intervene yeah. and there will be changes you will need. You want she and she left us with that understanding. Don't say hey, this is the way it has to be because it's written in the MSA. No, you, you it's okay to vary from that. So the first point is, is, is to have a specific parenting plan with, written with the help of a co-parenting coordinator who will help you think about things that you may be overlooking when your emotions uh, and, uh, are heightened. Second is something that a lot of people don't do. And this has been something that I've shared in other podcasts and, and I've got like holy smoke moments because nobody's thought about this. Typically in most divorces, there is um, reach agreement or go to court, <laughs> Yeah, and there's nothing in the middle, and you simply have to blow it off if you cannot reach agreement and there cannot be an accommodation, and that can be really, really frustrating. There is actually a midpoint that mo- many people don't think about. It's called a special master. The problem with a co-parenting coordinator is his or her rulings are are not obligatory. OK, so if you have an a, 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 a obstructive former spouse, he or she can say, OK, I don't care what the co-parented counselor says. My answer is no. And, and then you're stuck. And that's really frustrating. Or the issue doesn't warrant going to court. Mm. The, the, and, and I'm going to bring in a, a Dale Carnegie human relations principle at the end of this. So there's something called a special master where the divorcee's write out an order of uh, with uh, items that the special master can rule on. they give this to the special master and the special master's ruling or decision is binding. And so in other words, you can solve issues for a couple hundred dollars instead of twenty thousand when they arrive because you've inserted a special master and you both agree to this in advance, and you've given that special master an order of things he or she can rule on. Now, you might say, well, you know, my ex is not going to agree to that because he or she is this, that, this, or that. Mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie human relations principle. The, the the people rarely see themselves as being obstructive or manipulative. They see you being that way. Wow. And the more manipulative and obstructive a person the more he or she reflects that upon you, not upon themselves. So you'll be surprised how accommodating he or she might be because they're going to look at this as like, oh, this is a great way for me to control you. And you're okay. looking at it like, you don't need it for me. I'm the one that's reasonable. I need it for you. So <laughs> you can be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you can be surprised. So, so, and, and the other thing about this is the, the beauty about special masters is that, uh, and again, everything I'm saying to you guys is, giving you in greater detail in the book. But the beauty about this is it's a it's a pay-as-you-use situation. So once you have it in place, you may find for a couple years, you need to utilize the special master three times a year. And the next three years, you have to use it once over the entire three years. Or not so. at all. Yeah. But the fact that it exists there, the other part about this is that having a special master will result in amazing peace of mind because you know that your uh, co-parenting efforts, and and it it cannot be obstructed unreasonably, and just knowing that that exists there, there's a check and balance to your spouse, other than going back to court, that's going to allow your blood pressure to come down. That's going to make you a better parent. That's going to better enable you to find yourself a new partner, all because, you know, you have this document that's going to keep you out of court
1: and it's going to keep your former spouse on good behavior. You know, I you, you mentioned not to read things as a Bible, but I, I very well am considering uh, replacing the Bible with your book because that, <laughs> that you you. I mean, it's really, you you inspire me because you talk about things, about questions that I have all the time. (laughs) You know what I mean? When it comes to religion, dating, I mean, all of those things I have questions on and you're absolutely right. But towards the end there, you also mentioned something that I think could save my life. And it's that there is kind of a lot of blood pressure sometimes when we don't agree, especially if we have kind of like a little spat, you know? Because like I said, that co-parenting app um, helps from things going too crazy, but every once in a while there is like a little spat. And when that happens, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like PTSD from going to court the first time, but it's like, ah, now I have to spend money. Now I'm going to court. And I've thought that for the last four years and it's never happened, but it's it's always in the back of my mind. So, you know, creating those structures in place that you mentioned, I think is a, a really great example on how to lower your blood pressure and get, get a different, um, you know, outcome or solution there. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's, those are really hard things to kind of, uh, uh, shy away from, but, you know, speaking of emotions getting high, what are three tips for taking the high road that you would, you would, uh, recommend when emotions are running high, you know, during a divorce and sometimes potentially after.
0: Yeah. Well, before I answer your question, I'm going to explain one of the misconceptions about my book. The title is Take the High Road, Divorce with Compassion for Yourself and Your Family. So s- somebody might look at the title and say, oh, this is about like giving away the farm and and I'm just not willing to do that. Actually, it's the opposite, Father DZ, and to all your listeners. There is a relationship, and this comes from divorce attorneys, between conflict points and both costs and high stress. Mm. The fewer conflict points you have, the less money you're spending on attorney fees and the lower your stress. So is actually taking the high road will, will save you money and bring your stress down if you're only fighting about two or three things a year instead of 30 or 40. Right. Okay. Now, um, to, to, to answer your question about, about, um, uh, uh, things, things you actually have. <laughs> I got off the question. Repeat the question
1: for me. <laughs> well, no worries. <laughs> you were spitting the gospel. Uh, what are yeah. uh, the, you know, some tips that you'd recommend for taking the high road when emotions are running oh, high? You know, even okay. during or after a divorce. Yeah,
0: right. One of them is a business tool I talk about in one of my chapters: using the time card. This involves um, when things arise, put them into two buckets. Logistical, you have have to answer him or her now, Mm. or you can wait a week or so. By pushing them down the road, A, with children, a lot of issues solve themselves, so you don't even have to talk about it. And B, you make better decisions if you give yourself time. So it's a business tool called the time card. So that's one thing. Number two, and this is this this might sound kind of hokey guys but there's gonna be times when your your former spouse really steps out of line and he or she deserves to be told off but you can't do it yeah but you've got that emotion built up so you write two emails <laughs> the one that she or he deserves to receive then the one that you you're, you're gonna say you're gonna say I, I talk about this in a, in a chapter on how to make your communications vanilla. But, but you know that is a great emotional uh, 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 release by actually you know allowing yourself to scream because it's deserved, but don't send it and you will feel better for of, for that. The mm-hmm. last tip is is, is kind of simple and, and that is when things arise, forget that it's your former spouse forget and try to put the anger aside and, and you and you got to ask yourself how would i want to be treated in this situation right and that that has to draw and that answer that question needs to drive your response to your former spouse and that also will help to bring down the temperature and i will say again this this isn't always easy and this is why you know i try to lay out the tools to help with that but these are three
1: of the the the, the tips that i would offer that is a that's really amazing there, um, uh, especially because I can't imagine how many of us parents out there have replied r- right away and regretted it. When if just waiting, maybe you thought of I mean, how, first of all, how many people in general just thought of a different response maybe two days later that they <laughs> should have said.
0: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the, the the time card is one of the most powerful business tools. We human beings make better decisions. When we have time to emotionally process things and particularly in divorce, punting and dealing with things a week later that don't have to be replied to at that time, you're going to have better responses, make better decisions, communicate better, and that's going to have an exponential benefit
1: on your co-parenting relationship. This podcast is sponsored by Keys AI. Guys, if you're single or struggling with dating, I think you're going to be very interested in what I have to say next. If you've ever used a dating app, you know that they're a huge pain. But what if I told you that there was a virtual wingman that worked on every dating app? That's exactly what the guys over at Keys AI have built. Keys AI is your virtual wingman that suggests exactly what to say to land your next match. I've used Keys AI on Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge, and let me tell you, it is an absolute game changer. I won't even use dating apps without it now. If you want to start getting more dates immediately, then download Keys AI for free at the keys.ai or search Keys AI in the App Store. Guys, what are you waiting for? Download this app today. This episode of the Single Father Podcast was created using PodCastle. Podcastle is truly the simplest software solution for creating your podcast. From studio quality audio and video recording, to simple and intuitive editing, to AI-powered features like one-click background noise removal, and even voice cloning, Podcastle has you covered to make podcast creation a breeze. It really is an amazing all-in-one platform for audio and video content. You can give it a try today at podcastle.ai. All right, guys, before we continue, I just want to let every fellow podcaster tuned in right now on one of the best podcasting tools I've been using. So if you're like me and you've been spending hours on creating content for your show, we're talking show notes, timestamps, episode descriptions, articles, you name it, then Decipher AI is something you're definitely going to want to try. It's a new AI tool that just launched last year, and it's made content creation crazy easy for me. With Decipher AI, all you need to do is upload your episode transcript or audio to generate high quality, engaging content for your podcast within minutes. No more hassle of researching, writing, and editing everything yourself because Decipher AI does all of the heavy lifting for you. Decipher AI creates episode summaries, segment descriptions, and even pulls quotes from your episodes so you can get content creation done in half the time. The best part, guys, it's completely free, 100% free. Try Decipher AI for free today by signing up at www.decipher.ai. I got to ask you if, you if you have you had any. Um, you know, you have a daughter who's, who's 17. Have you ever any experience of, I think one of the uncomfortable things that I'm going through is I, you know, I, I do allow, you know, we allow when our daughter's not here, we call her from the, the other home, right? And while my daughter was on the phone with her mom and her, and her partner, he referred to himself as Dada. in it, and it, took me off guard, you know, and that is a time where I waited and I, I consulted literally everyone, my friends, my, my, my dad, and my grandparents. And I said, I don't know how to respond to this. And my friends were saying, even if you did tell her there's what, what would really change? There's nothing that would happen. And, you know, I told her very um, respectfully, I said, you know, Hey, I'm um, a little kid. Uh, uncomfortable you know I'm not a all respect to anyone but I'm like I'm a 50 50 dad like I'm in her life I don't have her one day out of the year you know or one you know I'm in her life and I I'm dada right I felt uncomfortable and she said it, it was her it was a somewhat polite response but it was basically like hey he's been in her life for two years if she chooses to call him dada and well but I think you know I'm going but it, basically it was kind of it is what it is and I felt still uncomfortable and defensive about it. Um, you know, it's one thing accepting a new someone in my child's life, but when, you know, terms of endearment get called like such as dad or mom, have you had any experience with that? And with all the people you've interviewed or personal experience and how someone can go through that and kind of take the high road in that situation?
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to give uh, a great example. When my uh, my former wife and I'm, I'm I'm coaching my son at soccer, mm. and, I, and I don't know much. I didn't really follow her dating histories so much, but um, I know one of the one of the first early boyfriends was a British guy, and he gives my son a soccer ball. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Giving my son a soccer ball? Who are you? Um, I know, yeah, you're just trying to win points with my former wife, but. I, and I'm pretty sure this was a therapy session at the time. Yeah. Um, it really wasn't an easy thing to see because that's my space. I'm the soccer dad, right? Not him. Yeah. I teach him. I coach the team. I, uh, I, I, I kick the ball with him, not him. And but I can't control it. Terms of endearment are different. Um. So my my advice on your on your situation is, this is a great topic for a co-parenting session. To ask if if we can involve a co-parenting counselor, this would involve face-to-face, and this may result in improving things because really it has to be addressed with a co-parent counselor. Yeah, I I think there's two parts to it. The first part, you you really can't control what happens in in, in her house. That's her life. But the second point is that I I do think there should only be one data. He she she can find there's a thousand different terms of endearment she can. Use for the stepfather, um, mm-hmm. and uh, a cute one, you know. My, my, um, I've remarried my uh, I have a lovely stepdaughter, and she's actually an adult but doesn't drive. Mm-hmm. And she calls me do du- I'm, I'm Dubert, daddy Uber, because <laughs> I'm driving her all the place. So, so I love it. There are, um, so that's a, a my lovely term of endearment, and um, mm-hmm. so uh, I actually think, um, a it, it, you can't control what happens in her home, and as long as your daughter is safe in that environment, that has to be paramount. Right. That being said, I agree, and um, it's hurtful to hear that. And you are an involved father, all right. All right, and th- you are her dad. So there are so many other beautiful and loving titles that this gentleman can have that don't walk on your face. Um, so. I would say there, this would be a topic. Now, I would not address this myself. I think this needs to be done with a third party. Right. And the right person is a co-parent counselor. It's definitely worthy of addressing.
1: Uh, thank you. Yeah, um, I will. <laughs> and and, it was, and uh, keeping on track with the high road, though, what is your best advice for staying on track and not veering off the high road path? You know, especially when it comes to spouses and, you know, not trying to, I mean, you mentioned I shouldn't bring it up myself, bring it up with a counselor, you know, what what are your advice for not veering off track and, uh, you know, having those talks? Well, I'm going to give two pieces of advice. One is keep doing what you're doing, everybody.
0: Listen to Father DZ, maybe, you know, get my book and get these resources that you can. maybe, get his book. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, um, that can help you. That's, that, that's number one. Uh, 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 n- number two, uh, when, it, when, it, when it comes to to, 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 to taking the high road, um, uh, um, I, I would highly recommend to, and I talk about this in the book, when you announced you're getting divorced, everybody in your brother was going to give you advice. And the fact of the matter is, they're not qualified. Mm. Right. So limit your advice givers. I call them in my book, Trust and Confidants. I, and I said there should be two people, only two. One, if you can, a therapist. Okay. Who's designed to help you through that process. Right. And two is that find one person who's gone through a divorce maybe ideally a challenge in divorce and land in a place where he or she has a divorce clearly in the rearview mirror and you see the life that that person is living and it's it's a good life and they're co-parenting effectively with their ex that person is probably a lot more qualified to give you to be your sounding board than all these other people that are because they're not going to be honest and they don't have context. True. They yeah. don't have to train in. All right. And they're and frankly, they're on your side. You don't want that. And that's why the therapist is the number one person. Because the therapist, well, you might be paying his or her bill. The therapist is looking at the situation objectively, and the therapist has seen the situation dozens of times before and the therapist has trained in on what's the right decision not just for yourself and your former spouse but for your children. Mm. So my 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 short my my short summary after my long-winded answer is limited limit your counsel to one or two people who are qualified to be your sounding boards and that's going to help get rid of the white noise and give you clarity on what the right decisions are for you to make as these issues
1: arise and they will arise. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. And, and uh, when trying to navigate, you know, different counseling and uh, arrangements within divorce and, and, and co-parenting, I wanted to ask you a question about, uh, you know, kids transitioning into both homes. How do parents navigate that as well. For instance, my daughter is someone who, for the most part, her whole life has always been one week on, one week off, a different, you know. But I remember a brief instance when I was younger and my parents got divorced when I was like 16 or whatever, 15. Um, I actually didn't like going back and forth with that. I felt it was kind of annoying. And How should parents navigate that when maybe the kids are being frustrated with transitioning between household to household? Okay,
0: I'm going to try to do this in one or two minutes because this is actually, uh, I think, two chapters. Mm. Today, there is a lot of different ways this can look. What I will say, there is no right or wrong way. There is the way that works best for you and your former spouse and more importantly, for your children. There can also be dynamics you take if one or both spouse travels on business. If, let's say, uh, uh, your your day job is a restaurant, so you're not available a lot of evenings, you might need to be a very modified custodial structure to give you more afternoon time. Mm. Okay, Um, but uh, um, I'm a big believer in having longer lengths of time so that there is less swapping. You know we've used what's called a five, five, two. five days followed by five days, followed by two days, followed by five days followed by five days, followed by, days followed by two days. Um, some do week on week off. There's a school of thought in the therapy community that the younger the children are, they should not see they need to see their parents more frequently so they need to have more more exchanges. Um, they don't want to go a week without seeing the the, the kids. The flip side of that is that that's not that, that's a really that's difficult. Okay, um, so I don't believe there's a right or wrong answer. I think the ma- the the bigger picture is that the kids get to see both parents regularly, and you work out a structure where there's quality time that works that uh, that that re- reacts to whatever the parents' jobs are. And one of the things I talk about, uh, funny, I just I just did a Facebook Live. A message about uh, uh, this to my Facebook group about the importance of geography and trying to be close, like within five or ten minutes of where your former partner lives, and that's going to make it easier on these swaps. And also, it's not going to make it. it's, It's going to. You don't want to be that parent where. You are a half an hour forty-five minutes away from all of the friends and the birthday parties right. and the soccer practices because right. because you're going eventually going to lose custodial time because you're going to be the inconvenient parent. Absolutely. So addressing the logistics of geography is really important. There is a a, a new um, it's a fairly uh, a creative uh, uh, um custodial uh, uh, um solution that where. You know? There is a common home where the child stays in all the time, and the parents go to separate places or or uh, or their non-custodial apartment, mm. so the child never moves. Now that's not always manageable because, like, I want to put a picture up of me and my new girlfriend, but <laughs> right, but uh, if if I'm going to share this apartment with my, my 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 ex-wife, that's not going to be something that she's going to want. So, but 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 um. Mm. That is happening in some communities. It's a fairly new structure where the child stays in a family home. I've heard of that, yeah. And the par- and the and the parents are inconvenienced. So there's lots of different solutions. I think the big picture point is, um, the, uh, uh, the 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 kids uh, um, need to see the parents regularly, whether that's week on week off or five five two. Those accomplish that, and. Uh, uh, to me, that's a big thing. I'm not a big believer unless travel, business travel, intervenes, of well, they don't see a parent for 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 two or three weeks. That's that's not that's not very. it um, that makes it difficult on that parent to establish
1: um, a, a a a home where the kids are feel comfortable there. I absolutely agree. Um, and then that family one, the family home is very interesting. But I imagine it makes for an interesting breakfast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love speaking with you. Um, and I, 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 I just have a few more questions cause I just like talking to you. I want to really talk about divorce for the people who, uh, who are actually divorced, who are fans of the podcast, maybe be fans of yours. And, uh, I'm just going to ask you just a, just a few questions if you, if you wouldn't mind, um, sure. in specific relation to divorce, um, who gets what from what marital home have you seen? or you know just like uh, when it comes to i mean i can't imagine coming in together with a lot of things and kind of navigating splitting that i imagine that causes a lot of uh, ambiguity or frustration
0: yeah so i'm refer- i'm 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 tr- i'm trusting that your answer is not about the home itself but more about the possessions correct and um there's an entire chapter in my book that talks about this and what we do in this chapter is we take the, the things that are in the home and we have the divorcee put them into three different buckets or three different categories. So so that helps the, the, the divorcee process. Um, so there's a strategy for this bucket, a strategy for that bucket and a strategy for the third bucket. The, 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 the challenge of taking the household and splitting into two is that whatever is in that home you are emotionally vested to in some degree. And you're going to find so many stories guys where um the the couple end up spending 10,000 in attorney bills fighting over something they didn't like in the first place. Mm-hmm. All right? So this chapter is, is designed to avoid that by organizing in your mind and all, you know we, you should put it on a piece of paper all the everything you see in that house into three different buckets and there's a strategy for dealing with each. The goal is to conclude quickly. To minimize the attorney expenses, debate in those things in that home, and to arrive at a
1: structure that's fair for you and fair for your former partner and fast. Okay. How, how common is the litigated like divorce structure, and and what are like the typical drawbacks of it?
0: Well, most divorces are litigated in that they involve involve an attorney, but only about five percent plus or minus a couple points actually land in front of a court. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the, so in the in a in a, in the pre-divorce chapter, I talk about the different structures you can have for your divorce. I'm I'm really fond of what's called a kitchen table divorce, where you have representation, but you try to agree to as many things as you can, uh, and then you go uh, uh, you put it on the, the agreement page. Then you have a disagreement page that has three or four things. All right. Then you take these to an attorney and say, "We agree on the all these things. We don't agree on these things on this page, and we need your help to arrive at a solution on this." Uh, so, and and the, the kitchen table divorce can, can there there's it is a it is a category, and there can be many variations to how and the level of of discussions that occur with your former spouse, and how involved or not involved the attorneys are. But the goal here, guys, is to arrive at a settlement without going in front of a judge, yet still having the counsel of an attorney that helps you make sure you don't do something that you regret. OK, so um, there's collaborative divorce there that you know, litigated divorces and, and, and sub variation of mediated divorces and, and and kitchen tables can eventually go to mediation. Kitchen tables can end up in front of a judge, but they typically don't. And they really help you to
1: conserve expenses. Absolutely, absolutely. I I feel like taking your time and decision making when it comes to divorce is really important too. Yeah, Uh, making sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, It's it's. Um, I'll come back to what I said when you when you first introduced me. Particularly in these early months, you're not going to be aware the degree that you are emotionally compromised. Yeah. It's affecting your co-parenting decisions. It could be affecting you at work. It could be affecting, um, how you deal with your children when they're with you. And it's also affecting how you finalize your, your, your divorce. So it's really, really, really important to bring the right counsel into your life to help you overcome the fact that you're not operating at, at peak efficiency. Um, and the, and the, the challenge there, everybody, is that we're not aware of it. Like I myself, coming back to me, I'm a pretty reasonable guy. I' I'm, I'm the guy in any group of friends in my group of friends where people come to for reasonable counsel. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I, it didn't even occur to me that I'm not able to make good decisions, but I was off. And, and so we all can be, we're all human. And recognizing that and, and bringing the right people into your life, taking the t- taking time, like you say, they're fathered easy, this can help you make better decisions when it's not
1: easy to make good decisions. Are divorces often something where, I'm talking like often, are they oftentimes where it's a mutual discussion or can you explain the process of initiating a divorce petition and how to serve it to your spouse? Sure. Um... Divorces
0: are uh, uh, typically today. I think most divorces are not a surprise and they're discussed. Okay, but there is a, a point where the divorce papers have to be served. Okay, um, there are some times when one of the two spouses, I'm done and I'm going to send a surprise. I don't really recommend that <laughs> um, because that's going to start off at, uh, 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 the, the texture of your separation if that's what you are certain you want to do those are it's likely to become a lot more expensive that way all right so it's much better that this is not a surprise um and and it, it's discussed but the, what you got to have you got to go and serve papers and that means somebody will come to where the, the the spouse lives or works and delivers the divorce papers and hand it to that person that they can say I gave it to that person so he or she cannot complain uh, claim that they didn't get it that's the whole purpose of being served it's really over hmm. uh, unfortunately it's, a, it's i think it's an overcomplication but it's just a fact of how things are done today i'm a big believer in sit down and just say look it's not working for me we've tried therapy or just or we haven't tried i'm just at a point where i'm absolutely want to, want to end our relationship how can we do this in a manner that puts our kids first and doesn't completely blow
1: up our ability to communicate and co-parent I, I imagine that's extremely important. Um, yeah. Is, is it also important, like, uh, the discovery stage of divorce? Uh, like, the process of that and what impact it will have on your, like, financial outcomes is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is something, um, there's something I, uh, uh,
0: a friend of mine said in my book that, and I, I don't believe it, but I wrote about it because it's, I think it's important um, to state this, that he, he was of the belief in the, in the discovery process that Father Desi is referring to as the financial part of your divorce is, is concluded, you've got to show all your assets, even the premarital assets, okay? This guy's belief was that, you know, when an attorney sees that, they'll just make sure you settle just before it's, it, it, it's over. So it's almost like showing an attorney how much money you have to work with. So, you know, what the potential gain is there. Yeah. I think that um, uh, if you have a good attorney, and there's so many good divorce attorneys, they don't all operate that way. But the the problem is that if you have, you can't control the the, the attorney that's selected by your former spouse. Yeah. So they might have a bad attorney who's like, "I'm going to milk this thing." So the discovery stage does require uh, uh, um, uh, um, showing. But this is actually comes back. to Remember that tip I made? I talked about about giving. Two settlement offers. Yeah right?
1: Yeah. And then Uh, then it's like not it's not where you're picking between one or another company, you're picking between the same company, two different offers. Yeah. And in that chapter, I also talk about if you're the one who
0: has more of the income, then in the settlement offer to put a bonus for quick settlement. And you can frame it as such as that. Let's say you're divorcing Susie. Susie, look, we got two choices here. It's really simple. We can fight and give this bucket of money to, to to your attorney to my attorney, and they'll be they'll take that money, all right. And we can end up hating each other. Or here's my thought: I'm going to give you X thousand of dollars uh, as a bonus outside of our 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 our. our um, whatever support we agree to, and the other parts, so long as we're done in two weeks and our cumulative attorney bills are less than X number, 20 or 10 or $15,000, whatever that number is, I'm gonna give that money to you that you can use with the restart your life. I'd rather give it to you than the children. Now, this might sound, oh, I don't wanna do anything. No, 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 you're not doing that. So I'm just gonna play with numbers. Instead of giving two attorneys, $300,000, 300000 give the money to the mother or the father of your children so they can use it for your kids. And that's really a better use of that money. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the financial disclosures is something, it's really good that you brought that up. It's something that is required for, as far as I know, in all 50 states and 13 provinces, it's required. But... Um, there's ways to, to address that, get, get in front of that, and go into your former spouse and saying, or your spouse at the time is saying, look, let's keep this money in in the family instead of giving it to attorneys. Here's my thought. Here's a, a quick settlement bonus. And you tie it to the, the, it being done in the two weeks or four weeks mm. and having a having cumulative legal bills that are l- less than this number in order to activate that bonus. Once you pass that,
1: bonus is off. So I, I think that's brilliant. That makes yeah, a lot of yeah. sense. So,
0: yeah. Um and, and um this can this this is actually one of the tips in my book that I'm getting some really great traction on and response. It's it's and it works guys. It it, it works a lot um, and it's, 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 everybody wins with that. Well, it's and, smart. You know, most, well, yeah, and it's smart. Most good attorneys are, are fine with that. They, they'd rather do a great job helping you settle fast and conserve your funds so that you can be, a, you can send them five or six more clients after. Most good attorneys are like that, but again, not all are. So that way um, a bonus offer like that will be a way for
1: you to speak to your former spouse, not your attorney. Absolutely. I, I think that's really, really smart and something that everyone should keep in mind. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I took a lot of your time today, but I just have a, a couple more quick questions uh, in relation to your book. Some things I just thought about. Um, page 47, uh, and it reads, The Need for Speed. What is that about? Okay.
0: Before page 47, we helped. The reader try to categorize their marriage. Okay, is my marriage broken? Is my marriage stale? All right. So at this point, you've determined that your more marriage is broken. Mm-hmm. The need for speed means the, there is it, it's it's the, the faster you get on the backside of your divorce. The faster the new this new chapter in your life begins, you don't want to be that divorce. And I, we, I some of these interviews, they were three years one one family. They were fifteen years before they actually finalized their divorce. Wow. Okay. So the the faster you get on the other side of that, the be, the better you can it is for you to repair your life and and become healthy again. And I will say this. So. My hope is that all of you are listening or getting divorced or got divorced, that you will eventually find good new partners, mm-hmm. okay? Maybe you said, look, I'm, not, I'm in no rush or we're sharing insurance, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's hear again, cold, hard facts. S- some of the best women out there that could potentially be your new partner, they're not going to give you the time of day until you're divorced, Sure. You may try yeah. to expl- explain it all you want. Well, the reason why we're staying married is because of insurance, or or, or this or that. The bottom line that's is that's just you're married. not going to work. Yeah. Bottom line is you're married. So the the, the now it's not going to be it's not going to restrict all women, but it will restrict a lot of them. And and frankly, I understand where they're coming from. Okay. Yeah. Same thing with men. You know, um, I had I had a date when I started dating again. You know, and, you know, I remember what she said. We got together and I would always speak to my dates that I might meet online because I, I want to just filter out. I, I, I'm running a business and I, I can't afford to spend tons of time on this, but I, I'm i sure. lonely. All right. Mm-hmm. So we met and I remember she said, oh, yeah, I'm separated. And I was at that time separated. OK, but I was living separately. All right. Truly separated. But she was explaining that she said, oh, yeah, well, he's upstairs. I um, mean, I'm downstairs, and we don't, we have different floors. Yeah. He, and then he, during the conversation, he said, oh, he really wants to get back together. And I i said to her nicely, I said, okay, look, if you told me on the phone when we spoke that your separation is defined as living in the same home and your husband wants to reconcile, I would have said, look, you seem like a really nice woman, but let's connect in six months, not now. Right. Right. This is too early. My point here, everybody, is that the need for speed is about once you've made the decision to get divorced and that's the right path for you, you want to be that story that gets it done in months,
1: not years. Right. Absolutely. I, um, and why is that, by the way? Why do people drag? Because I see that in movies all the time, too. And personally, i never been divorced myself, but why do people drag their feet with not pulling the trigger on divorce? You know, not signing the papers. What's the main reason for that? There, there are a lot
0: of reasons. Some just are lazy. They don't get around to it. Um, it, it yeah, it's like, okay, their their lives are separated. Then they look at the divorce instrument as being... Um, uh, the final meal in the Not the not final meal, yeah. Some there are times there's obstruction from one of the two parties, okay, that is delaying it intentionally. Well, look, I'd rather alimony start in... Six years. So, right now, because he's paying for everything right now, anyhow. So, sometimes there's obstruction there. Um, and um, sometimes it, there's, an, there's, a, there's a perceived benefit such as insurance or taxes. But my point is that it's not worth it. The number one most important thing after your children is your mental health. And the faster you can go mentally, put this chapter in the rearview mirror, other than co-parenting, the the better the rest of the next stage of your life is going to be. That's what the need for speed is that um, once you've made that decision, that that is the right path for you, get there as fast as possible. So you can begin the healing you need to that parts of the healing process do not really commence until the divorce is finalized. And that's the other reason for
1: um, wanting to get it done as fast as possible. I love that. Um, what is the the chapter that you have called Changing Roles? Uh, could you expand on that a little bit uh, to listeners? Yeah. The, this is was
0: one of the most, uh, one actually one of the funnest chapters to write. The book is not about my divorce, but there were some experiences that I encountered. I said, this could be a good chapter. I would go speak to attorneys and and mediators and therapists and get their take. And then that's how the chat and do interviews. And that's how the chapter formed. Yeah. This chapter formed from my personal experience. My ex-wife, she was a spectacular homemaker, all right, just, just wonderful. I mean, uh, she could pull crap out of the, the refrigerator and make a gourmet meal, huh. you know, and, and, and I was a workaholic guy, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I was determined not to be a mac and cheese dad. When we split up, my kids were gluten-free, nut-free and lactose intolerant. They're not I am but can you imagine learning how to cook with those three restrictions? I hear you. I got out some, I roll up my sleeves, everybody. I got out some cookbooks and I started to experiment. I was determined not to be mac and cheese dad. Another great example is Amen. that, let's say, let's say um, your wife, she's great with numbers and she does all the family budget. All right. So all of you are going to find that as one household splits in two, there are certain things that your former partner did superbly and that you maybe didn't do at all or had a, had, a, had a very small competency in. And you need to acquire those skills on some level to be able to run a household on your own. A great example that affects a lot of um, uh, households where one spouse works and one spouse doesn't, all right? You have a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mom is the spouse that works tends to be left involved in arranging um, play dates and uh, um, school activities. They don't know the doctors as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. guess what? You need, you need to take an inventory assessment of everything your spouse does that you don't have a competency in mm. and start working on. That's what I mean about changing roles and the solution there, everybody is recognizing and coming up with that list of things that you got to acquire competency in and then coming up with a plan in each. I talk about in the book, um, going to meet with, calling your accountant and saying, look, my uh, my wife, she's amazing with numbers. We're slitting up. Will you give me an hour of your time and help me with balancing a budget and maintaining a family household budget? I need some basic advice, all right? Um, to go and take in a cooking course, all right? Calling these parents and saying, hey, look, we're slitting up. But um, I want to have you guys over for dinner so you can see me parenting on my own. We can get to know each other because it's not just going to be my my, um, my, my my former husband. Um, I was working. Uh, now I'm going to be working and being a primary caregiver. I want right. you to get to know me too. So so um, the beauty about most of these things and changing roles, there's a, there's, it's not a difficult process to
1: acquire that competency, but recognizing you need to is really important. Absolutely. Um- it, which is so true, by the way, because after I we, we split up, I'm like I have I have no idea what her doctor's name is. You know, I just we just always go, and uh, I resonate with you on mac and cheese, Dad. I'm like I refuse. I'm going to try my best to learn how to cook. And you know, <laughs> ordering HelloFresh and things like that, and putting it all together. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. That's you. fine, yeah,
0: and that's a great solution if, if that's in your budget. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and yeah, so and, and the other thing that these steps do, everybody, is they bring the stress level down mm-hmm. because you recognize you're not dependent upon your former partner, you can handle these things on your own, okay? Absolutely. So, all right, so it might be a situation where your former partner's. Still takes the kids on seventy five or eighty percent of the doctor visits, but you know the doctors. If there's an emergency on your watch, you know what to do. You don't have to call your former spouse first.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Oh, you you are, you have made me so happy. <laughs> really, I mean it's nice talking to you. I, um, what how, you know what it is a single father podcast, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. What are some advice that you may have for newly singles uh, getting back into the dating scene? And please, you have to assure me, single fathers are at least more common than people give them credit for, right?
0: Right, right. Well, certainly, I mean, I wrote the book. I'm a man. My book is intended to be unisex, but, I, I, but I'm a guy and I cannot escape the fact that I put trousers on in the morning. Right. Um, so I, I have a couple big piece of advice there, guys. Um, again, these are a couple chapters in the book. One was um, um, don't rush. Don't rush um, uh, I, I call it I call it one one of the, the the first version of the chapter, the publisher made me change the title, but I don't mind saying it. I called it um, uh, Bromance and romance before romance. I like it well, I mean <laughs> yeah yeah I, I loved it but so work on your network of friends. Because you may you, you may be lonely, and romantically you miss the romance and even the the the, the intimacy in your life. Mm. That's really natural, but you may not recognize at least with the intimacy, the, the romance part, you're not ready for it. So, one of the advice I give in that chapter is, um, so what 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 was recommended there is so let's say you're a guy, um, call people in your world and say, look. Um, I'm splitting up with Susie and we try, but I'm splitting up. I'm not quite ready to date yet, but I'd like to be introduced to friends of yours that you might know, ideally other divorced men who've gone through the process. So they, 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 they they speak my language and they've landed in places that are really good. So there's an example in that, in that chapter where this one dad did that and he had, he had a whole new network. All right. So he wasn't, ready to, to start dating yet but by the time he was ready he had a whole bunch of new friends he was meeting women through those friends and um and it was healthy they kept him busy he wasn't sitting at home moping that oh man it sucks I'm not gonna never meet a, 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 a new uh, anybody or he wasn't going online on, on on match.com before he was emotionally ready but he wasn't busy socializing in a manner that was perfect for that stage. Right. And the last thing I would say guys is it, it does get better. Yeah. I talk about in the book, divorce is a marathon, not a sprint. And, and over time, you'll, you'll be, it'll be easier for you to date. It'll be easier for you to emotionally welcome somebody into your life. Um, and just keeping yourself busy in those initial months of separation, putting new things in, you know, take a bowl, you know, take, join a bowling team. Uh, uh, Join a cooking class. You know, these are things that can bring social elements into your life that don't yet have to be dating. And you may be surprised that dating will come from this because of somebody you're meeting because of these things you're taking in certain when you really weren't ready to date.
1: Absolutely. I love that. Uh, Any quick thoughts on dating, you know, with a with a child and introducing a new partner to your child?
0: Uh, well, yeah, well, the, the first thing with a child, I would say I, 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 an entire chapter I deal with when's the right time to, to introduce. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and, and uh, the advice I give in my book is that if you see yourself with that person two years in the future and you've been with that person at least six months, it's okay for your kids to meet them. Mm. Okay. Um, but, but I th- I'm a big believer in both of those two boxes being checked off
1: before the kids meet your new partner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I agree with that. Uh, so where can people uh, find your book? Where can people purchase your book? And what are some final thoughts that you want people to take away from your book? Sure. Um, in terms of, uh, it, the easiest thing to do
0: on my book, everybody, is to go to amazon.com. I, I, um, I'd love the review. Is Take the High Road. Divorce with compassion for yourself and your family. We have a website www.takethehighroaddivorce.com. So those are the easiest ways to get the book and stay engaged. My big picture message, I'm kind of I'm going to kind of repeat what I said earlier. My title infers it's about well just compromise everywhere and give the farm away. And 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 that's the attitude to take. That's not what my book is saying. My book is saying is that the fewer things you have to fight about, the more money you're going to save, the lower your stress, and the healthier you and your children will be on the back end, which is where you want to go. And it's not easy to take the high road. It's not easy to always make these right decisions. And my advice would be, besides getting my book, is to continue to attend podcasts like this. And to recognize that I'm going to bring this, I'm going to do the self-help things that I need to help me land in that spot where I can be a great parent to that, to my children or child, and that eventually
1: I can go and find a new partner. I love that. I really do. I really do. Um, Andy Heller, this has been uh, not only cathartic, but informative it, it's it, it's it, i mean i i mean it i'm really i was really moved by everything you said and it's interesting speaking with you because you as you were speaking you just you kept bringing up things that i often thought about i have i, I that you 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 answered all my questions in a way where i feel like oh i'm i'm healed now i can move forward you know <laughs> i well, yeah. thank you uh, I'm
0: humbled. What I would say is, you know, I feel like I'm going to talk to you for another two hours. If you want to have me back, I'd love to. Love for you to be back. Um, mm-hmm. you clearly, uh, um, as a man, um, uh, uh, and and uh, I, I probably align very well with your audience. I there's there's few things that you men are not going through that I didn't go through, and that's why I wrote the book. And the, I think the last thing I would say to all of you is that I'm not. I'm not somebody on a book tour. I'm not. Uh, this isn't my. I, I'm. Uh, this isn't my job. I have a great career. I wrote this book because I I had these experience. This is an eight year project. I worked on this, guys. I wrote it that if I have the counsel that can help a hundred, two hundred thousand men and women get through this process easier, and it can be a really painful process, then. It's my paid it forward time. and so this is why I wrote the book, Father Deasy. Um, and I applaud all of you for seeking out um, podcasts like this and, and and mechanisms and tools to help you because it's it's I think to me that's the first step. recognizing I need to have another voice beside my own yeah. to help make sure I'm making the right decision. So I applaud you all. I'll come back anytime you want. And I'll say to you guys, it will get better, but again, taking certain steps can accelerate the process, which is why I'm here.
1: Oh man, you make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's having that sigh of relief that they're just that we listened to something that really helped them. So thank you so much, Andy. Um, My pleasure. My I, I pleasure. I, read, I, I, I'll include a, a link in the description uh, of this episode with your book, so everyone can uh, share in this experience with me. Um, I hope you and I can talk again soon. I thoroughly enjoyed today. Um, anytime. Happy back. Thank you, Andy. Uh, I'll talk to you very soon. And uh, hey, th- thank you for being a guest on the Single Father podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. Bye-bye, Andy. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, that was an amazing um, experience. I, I I loved it. Uh, Andy is just... <laughs> what can I say about Andy. He's he's amazing. Speaking with him, seriously and genuinely, he brought up everything that I wanted to know, hear, and um, get explained um, within his book and just about life in general. He really did help me. Um, please go follow Andy uh, Heller. Um, go to his book. Download his book. Share his book. Read his book. Um, I really feel like it did it helped me with a lot of things that maybe I'm currently going through or just, um, I don't know. What can I say? I'm kind of blown away by that conversation. I really am. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being uh, here and listening to the single father podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Donaker, AKA father Deezy. Please go like subscribe and share um, uh, this episode and the show in general. If you liked the episode, if you're just here for Andy I hope you guys can tune around and leave a review and follow us on social media at the Single Father Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I hope we can have you guys in support. Um, our website that we just launched is uh, thesinglefatherpodcast.eventpack.org. It'll be in the link in this description. Thank you guys so much for just joining me today and sharing in this really cathartic experience that I had with Andy Heller. Um, and I will definitely hope that he comes back on the podcast again. Um, this has been amazing. Um, what more can I say? We usually go into the segment where we do, um, mailbag where I answer fan questions. However, we did go a little overboard this episode. So I'll save all of your questions. We'll do a double one next episode. Um, if remember, we have a Patreon. If you want to become a patron of the podcast and support the podcast in any way, shape, or form, Go to patreon.com slash the single father podcast, and you can join in some of our tiers that we have. We have three different tiers. Some of them require having, um, you know, voting power on different topics that we discuss. Some of them are just get Patreon shout outs. um, And some of them, some really cool stuff, like including to our Facebook group, our private Facebook group that we have where we just support each other. Um, All right, guys, that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, Let me know what you thought of the episode. And uh, until next time, I'm Father Deezy. Thank you for letting me vent with you. Bye-bye.
0: The Single Father Podcast with Kendall Doniger is a weekly show that explores the joys, challenges, and triumphs of being a single dad. Join us as we share stories, offer advice, and provide support to other single fathers. Follow us to stay up to date on new episodes and to connect with other single dads in our community. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review.